Are you a fan of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more magic, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we get to get into a great chapter of The Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 10, The Marauder's Map. This chapter starts out with Harry in the medical wing. Madame Pomfrey insisted on monitoring Harry over the weekend. Harry wouldn't allow her to throw away the splintered pieces of his Nimbus 2000, the one that was destroyed in the Whomping Willow in the last chapter. Harry knows it's silly and that the broom could never be repaired, but he feels as though he lost one of his best friends. How is it that some items that some people possess can become as important as a person? Mm, so powerful. Thank you for asking that question. For someone like Harry, who's never really had presents or people that love him, a representation of something like this, this gift that he got from Professor McGonagall, who believes in him, that allowed him to be a part of the Quidditch team, that allowed him to be a part of this wonderful school, I think has meant everything. It's almost like a trophy for some people or almost like let's say a graduation class ring for other people it's an object that represents something that's really close to us i think for him this broom was tied to some really meaningful memories and a really important experience for the first time in his life he was good at something and for the first time in his life he was valued for it mm-hmm. And so I think that the sentimental value of it is priceless. I'm just curious. We'd love to hear from you out there. Is there any item that you have that you just can't do without almost? Mine is my Fender guitar. It just is so special to me. I had an Epiphone guitar that I had for about 20 years that I had accidentally dropped. I was moving it and I dropped it in the case. And while it was in the case, the neck just completely shattered it just broke it was a horrible situation and you happened to just see the horror and the sadness in my face and you jumped into action because you're so sweet and you told me 
let's get in the car and let's go to the guitar store. I'm going to get you another guitar. And that new guitar means so much more than the other guitar, just because you had so much compassion. You saw the horror and the sadness in my face and just took control. And it means the world to me. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. I'm glad that you like it. And I'm really glad that we were able to get you a new guitar. Yeah, I'd certainly love to hear from any of you out there about an important item that you have. And it's perfectly okay to have attachments to certain objects. Mine is my, well, certainly have certain attachments to people. But one of the objects that I'm really attached to is my teddy bear, Sam. I've had Sam since I was 12 years old, so I'm aging myself here, but almost <laughs> 25 years that I've had him. And the teddy bear that was given to me actually by kind of an acquaintance, but it's a teddy bear that was there for me during the most challenging parts of my life. It's a teddy bear that I snuggled when my grandmother passed away. It's a teddy bear that I snuggled after I experienced sexual assault. It's a teddy bear that I still to this day snuggle when I'm having a really tough mental health day, when I go through certain trauma triggers and panic attacks and overwhelm. And so for me, this bear has been a constant companion throughout some of the most formative years of my life, my teen years and young adulthood and adulthood now, in terms of something that's provided this kind of comfort. Yeah. So contact us on Twitter, hashtag Harry Potter therapy, and let us know if there's an item that means the world to you. Back to the chapter here. Harry's all alone in the hospital wing and it's quiet and Harry is stuck with his thoughts. Harry keeps hearing his mother's screams and pleas over and over again. Harry, mama loves you. He's constantly reliving it and has nothing or no one to distract him from this memory. As hard as it is to remember such an awful event on repeat, isn't confronting one's trauma actually a positive step towards healing? Absolutely. I think for many of us, when we've been traumatized by something, we do everything possible to distract ourselves, to run away from that memory. Or we might, for example, busy our day by either being productive or by socializing. But for many people that busy their day in that kind of a fashion, it's at the end of the day that we're likely to have all our trauma, all our loneliness, all our sadness show up. That's the case for pretty much all of my patients. And for the longest time, that was the case for me. For myself and for a lot of people, what we're finding is actually purposely creating almost like an appointment with our trauma, with our thoughts, with our grief, where we can think about what happened to us, where we can write it down, where we can understand it, where we can cry about it, where we can make peace with it is the most healing part of our experience. So the fact that Harry here really struggles with his trauma memories when he's left alone for really the first time since he's met the Dementors anyway, Mm -hmm. is a really powerful representation of what happens in, I think, just about every one of us when we're going through some kind of grief or trauma. And it shows, once again, the importance of 
maybe if possible, daily appointments with our grief or trauma. And it can look like this, where we designate, let's say, 10-15 minutes to sitting with our emotions, maybe writing out our emotions or writing out our memories and allowing ourselves to cry or whatever comes up, whatever emotion comes up. And over time, it can become more and more manageable. But the more we run away from it, the more we try to busy ourselves up or distract ourselves, the more that trauma stays. Hmm. We were introduced to Dementors in Chapter 5. And this chapter really dives into the dark recesses of the Dementor. Harry meets with Lupin again, and the two discuss Harry's vulnerability to the Dementors. Harry is convinced that he is somehow weak because the Dementors affect him so much more than everyone else. I'm sorry to hear about your broomstick. Is there no chance of fixing it? No. Professor, why do the Dementors affect me so? I mean, more than everyone else. Listen, the Dementors are amongst the foulest creatures to walk this earth. They feed on every good feeling, every happy memory, until a person is left with absolutely nothing but his worst experiences. You are not weak, Harry. The Dementors affect you most of all because there are true horrors in your past, horrors your classmates can scarcely imagine. You have nothing to be ashamed of. I'm scared, Professor. Well, I'd consider you a fool if you weren't. I need to know how to fight them. You could teach me. You made that dementia on the train go away. There was only one that night. But you made it go away. Well, I don't pretend to be an expert, Harry. But as the Dementors seem to have developed a particular interest in you, perhaps I should teach you. But after the holidays. For now, I need to rest. It would seem that not only is he suffering, he is shaming himself for suffering. Can you explain why some might fall into a pattern like this? Yeah, I think so many of us, unfortunately, have been raised to think that if we're going through a hard time, that it's our fault, that we should be able to, quote unquote, look on the positive and quote unquote, get over it. That is probably one of the biggest lies humans tell themselves. When we've been through something as horrific and traumatic as Harry has, as painful and traumatic as probably most of you out there who are listening, who are Harry Potter fans or who might be listening to our podcast, I think that allowing ourselves to be present with pain like this is not only not a weakness, it's perhaps the foundation of our greatest strength. It's courage to face pain like this so that we can be in touch with what makes us human. And of course, the Dementors are going to affect Harry in such a drastic way because he's been through so much. Not only did he lose his parents at a very young, very formative age, but he's been through, at this point, what, 12 years of severe emotional abuse by his family. Thankfully, now he only sees his relatives in the summer holidays. But prior to that, he lived with them for 10 years, experiencing daily physical and emotional abuse. It totally makes sense why Harry is in this situation. Lupin is just such a caring professor. And the quote about Dementors in this chapter is just too good not to share. According to Professor Lupin, Dementors are among the foulest creatures that walk this earth. They infest the darkest, filthiest places. They glory in decay and despair. They drain peace, hope, and happiness out of the air around them. Even muggles feel their presence, though they can't see them. 
Get to near a Dementor and every good feeling, every happy memory will be sucked out of you. If it can, the Dementor will feed on you long enough to reduce you to something like itself, soulless and evil. You'll be left with nothing but the worst experiences of your life. Whoa. Right? I mean, that's some deep shit. (laughs) It is. It's really deep and it's really profound. And I think in a lot of ways when we've been through so much grief and trauma and it makes sense that the Dementors, which... J.K. Rowling has shared our representation of our depression. It makes sense that it would bring up all of these feelings in us. For a lot of individuals who've been through something painful in the past, they might be more likely to suffer from depression and therefore, yeah, might feel like things will never be okay again. They might feel like the very foundation, the essence of them, their soul is gone. And yet, as we learn, there is a way to keep the Dementors at bay. Now, it doesn't mean that we can never experience depression, but there is a way that we can support ourselves when we're going through something painful. Dementors are literally creatures of nightmares. And Harry tells Lupin that when Dementors are near him, he can hear Voldemort murdering his mom. For some reason, when I read this line, I jotted down the word triggers. I got to thinking about how a person, a place, a word, a song, a creature, or anything really can recall or trigger a bad memory or a bad feeling. Can you explain the nature of triggers and can Dementors be seen as one of Harry's? Absolutely. And in fact, when we're going through a hard time, even the state of, let's say, depression can be a trigger. So just the emotion can be a trigger sometimes because certain emotions like depression can be almost like a magnet pulling for other memories when we might have felt this way. And as you mentioned, other triggers might be other reminders of something painful, which could be something as obvious as a sound or a specific person, or it might be something a little bit more innocuous like a specific color or specific food, a specific scent, for example, sometimes might remind us of something related to it, even if the actual object that we're seeing right now might be a different object in some way. So what a trigger does is that it can elevate our sensory properties, our sight, sound, etc., and can put us in an emotional state similar to the one that we were in when the traumatic or painful event occurred. In fact, sometimes we might feel as if it's happening all over again. Our whole body might be tense, achy, and overwhelmed as if we're in that same situation, whether it's going through abuse or going through some kind of a loss all over again. And one way that we can manage this kind of a trigger is, first of all, to name it. So to say, for example, oh, this is a trigger or this is a Dementor attack. So that's step one. Step two would be to notice the way that it's manifesting in our body. So for example, noticing, wait a minute, I'm holding my shoulders or I'm clenching my jaw. So that's step two. Step three would be to actually do the opposite, to now unclench our shoulders, unclench our jaw, maybe to take a few breaths to relax our chest or to relax our stomach. So one area at a time. 
And then step four would be to self-soothe and comfort ourselves. So for me, that would be cuddling my teddy bear, cuddling one of my cats, for example. It might be to have some hot chocolate or pumpkin juice if you have any. Taking steps like this can help us to get through that painful Dementor moment. Mm. Dementors are the guards of Azkaban. And Lupin tells Harry all about the Azkaban prison. He describes Azkaban as a fortress on a tiny island way out to sea. But they don't need walls and water to keep the prisoners in because they're all already trapped inside their own heads. Most of them go mad within weeks due to the presence of the Dementors around. What do you think about a prison like Azkaban? I think it's a powerful metaphor for our mind prison. So many of us, when in circumstances where we're isolated and don't have people, not just to see in person, but even people that we can be supported by virtually or support virtually, we might be kind of stuck in our own mind prison of the traumas of our past. And over time, it might feel like we're dying. And the best source of healing here is connection and during COVID if we're not able to see people in person then doing something virtually can be really important so having some kind of a virtual support group seeing a therapist maybe joining some kind of a group let's say if you're a Harry Potter fan maybe some kind of a virtual Harry Potter group a book club for example where you can be a part of some kind of a community so that you don't have to be in Azkaban prison and instead maybe have some kind of a connection to get you through this. During the holidays, there's another trip to Hogsmeade and Harry cannot attend this one either. Fred and George take pity on Harry and introduce him to the secret to their success, the Marauder's Map. Now, Harry, come and join the big boys. What are you doing? What's this rubbish? <laughs> What's this rubbish, she says. That there is the secret to our success. It's a wrench giving it to you, believe me. But we've decided your needs are greater than ours. George, if you will. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. We owe them so much. Hang on. This is Hogwarts. And that... no. Is that really... Dumbledore. In his study. Pacing. Does that a lot. So you mean this map shows... Everyone. Everyone? Everyone. Where they are, what they're doing, every minute of every day. Brilliant. Where'd you get it? Nicked it from Filch's office, of course. First year. Now listen, there are seven secret passageways out of the castle. We'd recommend this, this one. one. The one-eyed witch passageway. It'll lead you straight to Honeyduke's cellar. Be your best hurry. Filch is heading this way. Oh, and Harry, don't forget, when you're done, just to give it a tap and say, Mischief managed. Otherwise, anyone can read it. The Marauder's Map is a map that shows every detail of Hogwarts Castle, every classroom, dorm, and hidden passage. It also shows little footprints of every living thing inhabiting the castle. The map shows where and what ghosts, pets, and people are doing at all times. Not only is the Marauder's Map a great tool for mischief, it could also be a mischief detector. I mean, talk about Big Brother. 
It can see everything, and I mean everything. Fun fact, if you watch the end credits of the Prisoner of Azkaban movie, while the credits are scrolling, they show an animated Marauder's map with these little feet going everywhere and everything. And you can actually see the feet of two students in a corner doing what appears to be some naughty stuff. I mean, they're solemnly swearing to be up to no good, that's for sure. <laughs> we don't know if they're students. But, uh, that's true. <laughs> but two people. Two feet. Two pairs of feet. <laughs> two sets of feet doing doing something that appears to be potentially naughty in nature. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, I highly recommend you check this out. I'm, it's on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so you can watch the end credits and pay attention to the bottom left-hand corner. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what are your thoughts on this very powerful yet violating tool i think anything is what we make of it if we look at the wand right it is how we use it so a wand can be used to illuminate a room right it can be used to cast an anti-dementor spell right the patronus charm or it can be used to kill someone and so i think the marauder's map is just that just like a wand it's a tool but the way that you use it makes a difference Fred and George show Harry the secret passage that leads him to Hogsmeade. Once he's there, he overhears a conversation with Professor McGonagall, Professor Flitwick, Hagrid, the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, and the tavern owner, Rose Murda. Now, tell me what this is all about. Well, now, years ago, when Harry Potter's parents realized they were marked for death, do you remember? They went into hiding. Few knew where they were. One who did was Sirius Black. And he told you-know-who. Not only did Black lead you-know-who to the Potters that night, but he also killed one of their friends, Peter Pettigrew. Peter Peter Pettigrew? little lump of a boy, always trailing after Sirius Black. I remember him, never let James and Sirius out of his sight. But what happened? Well, Peter Pettigrew tried to warn the Potters and might have managed to had he not run into an old friend, Mm -hmm. Sirius Black. Black was vicious. He didn't kill Pettigrew. He destroyed him. Mm A finger. That all was left, a finger. Nothing else. Yes. Sirius Black may not have put his hands to the potters, but he's the reason they're dead. And now he wants to finish what he started. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. No, that's not the worst of it. No. What could be worse? Best. Sirius Black was and remains to this day. Harry Potter's godfather. This level of betrayal just stuns Harry, to say the least. How do you think it was for Harry to hear this kind of news? Gosh, I just want to give him a hug here. Devastating. Harry already had so few people growing up. He had nobody from the age of 1 to the age of 11, other than his very abusive, very oppressive relatives. And to know that there was a person in his parents' lives that was supposed to be their friend, that supposedly betrayed them and sold them out to Lord Voldemort and is the reason why they're dead and is the reason why Harry's an orphan and why Harry lived with his abusive relatives, I imagine is devastating to learn of this kind of betrayal. I mean, gosh, it must be heartbreaking and I imagine really angering. I couldn't imagine that kind of betrayal. That's a whole nother level (laughs) in my opinion. That's a lot to chew on, and that's where we're going to end Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. 
For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag HarryPotterTherapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay magical and take care. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening.